Welcome to the Let's Talk Money and More podcast with me, Leslie Thomas. The aim of the podcast is to get us all talking about money more. Talking about money is still considered to be a taboo. We don't talk about money enough. Women don't talk about money enough. And that needs to stop. In this podcast, my guests and I talk about money, mindset, and how to turn around limiting beliefs, allowing you to develop a healthy, wealthy money mindset. Our relationship with money doesn't just affect our finances, but impacts every aspect of our business. And most of all, our own sense of self-value and self-worth. By mastering your mindset, you can in turn master the money you make in your business. Welcome to the latest episode of Let's Talk Money and More with me, Leslie Thomas. I'm really looking forward to today's conversation. I'm joined by Hannah Power, who is a personal brand coach, author, podcaster, and TEDx and keynote speaker. Hannah is driven to work with as many people as possible to help them discover the power they have inside them feel fulfilled, and live a life of confidence. Hannah works with chief execs, entrepreneurs, coaches, and experts to build and deliver strong, engaging personal brands, which inspire an audience. Her goal is to inspire and teach as many people as possible to step into their light and to start a movement with their message. So thank you very much for agreeing to be on the podcast today, Hannah. I'm really looking forward to having this conversation with you. So am I. Thank you for having me. So the question I always kick off to with all my guests is, what is your money story? So it's a great question. And I think this all comes down to where you start your story, I guess. I think that um, I guess my story sort of partly comes through, I guess, sort of the childhood and the upbringing, but also societal pressures I think also kind of feed into your story so in terms of my money story I was brought up in a very entrepreneurial family so I had you know entrepreneurial parents and you know a lot of my relatives ran their own business so that was kind of the the journey that that I knew and the, the way that we grew up and I think what comes with that is a massive uh belief in what's possible you know this incredible you know unlimited um possibility of being an entrepreneur uh, but what also comes with um, you know financially for your lifestyle whatever but also what comes with being an entrepreneur is the ups and downs that come with it so you can have you know the big highs and then and the big lows and um you know I that was very much what my, I guess where my story started was us kind of growing a lot in terms of my parents business growing through um through my sort of early years from kind of I was about six when my parents launched their their business which was their main focus for the next 10 years and a bit more a bit more than 10 years and I you know we, we started by going on this quite upward trajectory of getting bigger houses and nicer cars and all of these things and then um when when I got to kind of my mid-teens, that's kind of when the stress started to hit. So their their business sat in the, um, as you know, in the digital space, the social digital space. And obviously that was really booming at the beginning. But then obviously it started to get hit by Facebook and LinkedIn and all of these kinds of things started to have a real impact on the business. And that's when I started to experience a lot of the 
the lows that come with entrepreneurship and the lows that your finances can have. And I think I grew up in this, this money story of this sort of this, I guess, this sort of feast and famine, I think is the phrase that they have this, this very generous um, approach that my parents had to money, but also this very strong awareness I had that money wasn't always free flowing. And I think that I kind of created that relationship with money that I think some people create with almost with food as well, which is kind of that, um, almost that panic relationship with it when, you know, when are you going to get more? And I was always somebody who was very, very passionate about um, making money online and building business and all of those kinds of things. And I wanted to earn money really early on in my life. And I think partly for that, a part of where that ambition and that drive came from financially was because I wanted to make sure that I could contribute and I could learn, you know, that I was able to to bring money in, even though it was a tiny weeny bit when I was young. And to be honest, it was coming from my parents. I think I wanted to know that um, that I could take care of my finances myself whilst we were going through these ups and downs. And I think kind of coming up to where I am now, I think I realized a few years ago that I actually had quite a scarce mindset to, to money, not an abundant mindset as I, I have more of now, although I have to work on that all the time. I definitely had a scarce mindset of there's not enough. And it wasn't because I grew up in a space where my parents weren't generous or because I went without. But I think just because I grew up in this space of entrepreneurship where sometimes there just isn't as much so it just isn't as stable as the way that other people um potentially maybe do grow up with their finances and I think what that led me to have was a slight anxiety around around money but also um if you have the feast and famine way of living you know I was quite a big spender so I was good at making money I've always been good at making it but I'm better at spending it And I think that that mindset, that up and down, I then took myself on having grown up with the up and down. Say I said to myself, oh, I want to really have it stable. But actually, in reality, I took myself on my own up and down and actually um, have always lived just outside of my means. I think there's a uh, I actually was looking at my finances this morning. I was thinking about this talk and looking at kind of managing my money. And I thought, I do even now just live that tiny bit outside of my means. Every time I go up a level, my money also goes up a level. So I don't really meet in the middle. But it's something which I'm now starting to be able to, at 29, be able to be a lot better at managing and actually starting to put money aside. Um, But I think the big turning point for me was when I started to learn about this abundant and scarcity mindset when it comes to money and this kind of belief that if you think there's not enough and you think that you know, you're never going to get it. And that's obviously the world that you're going to create. Whereas if you kind of have more faith and have more um, belief in yourself and in the world around you, and, um, you know, there is so much, you know, abundance, you only have to drive. I mean, I live in a really, you know, wealthy area, I'm not saying I'm really wealthy, but I, I live in a, a town which does have a lot of money, you only have to drive around to see how much abundance there is. It's just that, some people know how to bring that into their lives and some people don't. So there's no question there's plenty of abundance. It just it just comes down to whether you um, feel that you can live in that state of, of abundance in your mind. And I think for me, that came down to a lot of self-worth and really looking at why did I think that, um, you know, that, that money was scarce came down to the fact that I think that I deserved it or did I think that money was wanting money made me a bad person, you know, like, can you be a good person and also want money at the same time? You know, this dichotomy that we have in, in the world of, you know, rich people are awful and blah, 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 when Mm -hmm. actually you can be, you can have money and be a good person. It doesn't have to be either or. And this kind of black and white thinking, which has been such a theme of my life up until now of 
good or bad or right or wrong or rich or poor, I think actually the kind of place I've ended up in terms of where my money story is now is really trying to just be down the middle that sometimes things are good and sometimes they're not so good, but always keeping that faith of knowing that um, money is a unit of of energy and it's flowing and it's going to go up and it's going to go down, but your life doesn't have to be defined and my life doesn't have to be defined, you know, the numbers in the bank. And I think for me, that was really, I guess, a big breakthrough that I've had over the last few years. Yeah, absolutely. And as far as you mentioned, your, you checked your bank account this morning. Do you check your bank account frequently? Um, I do actually check, check it more now. The reason being, I was a bit of a, I'm really good at um, like cash flow. Um, which was really useful when I started running my own business because I realized when people started talking about cash flow, I was like, well, that's obvious because I've been doing that, managing cash flow since I was like 12 years old. So I, you know, bringing that in and then spending that. And however, um, as the, as I got kind of a little bit older, when I first started um, investing in the business and kind of being responsible for my own costs, I realized I was a bit of a head, of a, head in the sander and I was quite... Um, I would avoid looking at my bank balance and things like that until I really, really had to. And it became this source of dread on my phone. If I would see the app, I would get that instant anxiety, you know, that feeling in my tummy. And I just thought this isn't a very good way to live. Um, You know, just like trying to ignore it when I know it's there. So now I try to check it more often because I actually find it keeps me in check. And that's exactly what I say to clients is to check your finances, track your bank account daily. And a lot of clients will actually go, what? And I need to look at it daily. I say, absolutely. You need to look at it daily to understand what's going on, where the patterns are, and actually, more importantly, what's coming up for you. You know, mm. why Why are you having that, you know, anxiety about it? Because at the end of the day, that number is just information. And when you have information, you can do something about it, essentially. Yeah, I also think it's quite good for like accountability. So I think like you're less, you know, it's so easy to spend money. I think when it used to be like cash, you know, you're like, oh, this is a lot of cash I'm handing over. Whereas now, you know, with like Apple Pay linked to like your ASOS account, you know, you click, 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 double click, and you've spent like hundreds of pounds. And it's very easy to spend money. And I think that that's almost like it's almost like a dopamine high when you get all caught up in it. And then suddenly you're like, oh my God, I've spent all this money, like, and it's on a credit card, so I've not got to worry about it, but it's all still money. So I think checking it just gives you that sense of accountability. And I think as somebody who, as I said, is good at earning it, but better at spending it, I I, I need that accountability. Otherwise I can find myself getting panicked at the end of the month going, how am I going to pay this bill or whatever? Not, not bill in terms of my bills. I've never struggled with my bills, but in terms of my credit card bill, because I've overspent doing I don't know whatever it is that I'm spending my money on yeah no I totally totally understand that and you are you know you're definitely not alone there's a there's a huge number of people that do exactly the same way same Mm. thing and that's why they bury their head in the sand the fact that you're not burying your head in the sand that's definitely you know a pat on the back for you you mentioned that your your sense of self-worth and self-value you had to work on that over the last few years. What have you done to improve that? So I think um, this concept of like, you know, self-worth and stuff is so um, interesting because obviously how you feel about yourself impacts every aspect of your life. I mean, I I think I used to just think that just impacted my like romantic relationships and like having boyfriends or whatever, but actually I've learned that it can, it can impact 
your business, your friendships, you know, your finances, every single part of what you do. I think in terms of what I've done, you know, it starts obviously with awareness and trying to gain as much awareness into the the thoughts that you're having. And I and I think it's not just the um it's not just a thought, but it's like questioning and sitting with the thought. So instead of just going, oh, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy, for example, teaches you to have a thought and then diffuse it. Whereas I don't think that that's what you should really do. I think you should have a thought, bring it into your life, play around with it, sit in it, cry on it, and then process it and move on from it. Um, and I think that that's really, I guess, what I've been trying to do over the past sort of three, sort of three, four years since I really kind of started to get into personal development and learning as much as I could about the limiting beliefs and the patterns that I was repeating in my life. So I think for me, it comes awareness um, and then journaling was a really, really big part. And then I did quite a lot of inner child um, healing work, um, quite sort of out there, kind of spiritual as opposed to being kind of, um, I don't know, with a, I don't know, in in an official process, it was more kind of um, you know, talking to your to your younger self and 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 sort of reparenting, I think it's called. Um, so I've done that. And then more recently, I've actually been seeing more of a traditional kind of therapist and working through some of those those issues. I think, you know, I, I am somebody who uh, comes across, I think, is, as very confident. And I am very confident. I know um, I know what I'm good at. I know what I'm not good at. You know, I, I know who I am. But I think underneath all of that does sit quite a lot of you know, insecurities and self-worth issues, which I've just picked up over the years. And I think just trying to be as open and, and honest and real about that. Because I think, you know, there's this gap between, you know, what people think you are and, and who you actually are. And if that become if that gap becomes too big, you can find yourself feeling really isolated. So I think for me, it's just been trying to be really open and, and talking about the difficult stuff in a hope that, um, first of all, that it will help me, but then also potentially it will help other people. So yeah, quite a lot of stuff. I'm not going to lie. It's not, um, I don't think this stuff it's not easy. It takes a huge amount of commitment and sitting with uncomfortable thoughts and um, processing them and crying and all of those things that you have to do. And I'm a big like crier when I release, I do a lot of crying and um, walking, going on walks without my phone, anything like that. So, um, but really just trying to, I guess, dig into where these things have come from and trying to show myself compassion so that I can move through them. Yeah. And I think that's a really important message there in terms of you having, you know, you, you definitely come across as very, very confident, um, but you're also, though, very aware that there are certain things that you don't have that same level of confidence internally about. And I think we all have that. I think we all can put on a, we can all be confident in certain certain situations with certain positions, but there's going to be something that always triggers us. You know, I, I've mentioned starting a podcast that for me has turned up a whole host of you know of limiting beliefs but I recognize why they have come up and I'm pushing through them regardless and I think it's good for people who are listening to this to be able to recognize and see that no matter how confident somebody can be in certain situations, we all are going through that inner work. And that inner work will be something that we will continue to do because as the world changes and develops, there will be new things 
that come up for us, basically. Mm. I'd like to go back to something else you said earlier on in terms of, you know, both your parents being entrepreneurs, being within a big entrepreneurial family, Mm. recognizing the absolute highs and lows that come with being entrepreneurial. Mm. What was it that encouraged you to continue on that journey rather than taking what some people may see as a as an easier route going Mm. down you know a corporate job getting something that was more inverted commas stable it's funny because um I growing up promised myself that I that I wouldn't do this entrepreneurial thing I um I really really hated entrepreneurialism actually I mean difficult because I never want to sound like I'm not proud of my parents or whatever but I think watching you know when you when you own your own business and it's such a part of your being and and you know academy for my parents was you know it was like their fourth child it was such a impactful movement that went all the way around the world um when you watch the 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 benefits of that but also the stresses of that and the strains that that business put on your parents it's very difficult not to dislike that thing and that concept for me just became entrepreneurialism or entrepreneurship whatever you want to call it so I actually really really didn't plan to go down this path at all so I was very fortunate that I'm actually quite academic so despite having very entrepreneurial tendencies I actually found school and and learning actually quite um I guess quite easy like I did quite well um, at school, which I was very, very lucky because I think, you know, there's a lot of people that don't, the school system doesn't work for them. So I actually went and did a law degree, um, never really with a plan to be a lawyer, but I thought a law degree is a good one to do. And it was a subject that I really liked. And it was also the one that I thought, well, that's going to look the best on paper if I can get that. And then after I finished that degree, I actually went and worked in a corporate job and I went and worked for a big, um, big consulting firm. And I did that for two and a half years. And my plan really was when I joined that company to be a lifer. And it's a great company, Accenture, um, big, you know, one of the big consultancies, amazing culture, amazing people, incredible opportunities, um, such, such a good place to start your career. And I really wanted to be there for life. You know, that really was my plan, you know, get the pension and the share options and, you know, have this like path that most of my friends now actually have followed my kind of school friends and stuff. Um, however, like, you can think that you want something because of of whatever reason, but actually the reality I think can often be so different. And I am somebody who is so naturally entrepreneurial and um, terrible at having a boss and being told what to do and not being in charge of my time. And after a couple of years in corporate, I just realized this is just not, this is just not going to work for me to be quite honest. Like it sounds I don't mean it to sound indulgent or entitled millennial stuff. It's just that I knew that I wasn't going to thrive there. I wasn't good enough at playing the game. Um, You know, there's certain tick boxes you have to tick and I'm not a box ticker. And I just thought, you know what, this is not, I'm not going to thrive here. This isn't really, and this is, the other thing that I knew when I was at Accenture was this is one of the best companies I could have worked at. This is the closest you can get really to being an entrepreneur in those big in a company because it says a huge amount of freedom and um but it just yeah it wasn't work for me so I actually left that job when I was 25 and moved over to live in Bali because I knew there was a big digital nomad culture um uh community over there 
And obviously growing up in the world of cousins and parents and uncles and entrepreneurial, I knew that you could, you know, start a business from a computer. So I thought I'll go over there and I'll get a job, but it will just be a remote job. And that will enable me to travel. And I thought I didn't really like living in London and I did enjoy it, but it wasn't for me again, long-term and the tube and just that life. It just didn't match my values and what I wanted out of life. Freedom is such an important value for me. Uh, Anyway, so I got a job and I did that job out there for two months before I then left that job. And I thought I have to do this on the, have to try and do this by myself. And I owe so much of that to the culture that's in Bali because it's such an entrepreneurial culture. And I just, everyone out there was running their own businesses. It was like, it was no different than going to the gym and then seeing that somebody's got a, a good routine on their phone and downloading the app. I mean, that was how easy it was, to, it seemed, to start a business out there because everyone was doing it. So I thought, do you know what? I'm going to give this um, I'm going to give this a go and I'm going to start a business and I'm going to give it three years and I'm going to see if I'm any good at it. Because if I'm not good at it, if um, if I'm in loads of debt, if I'm not enjoying it, if I'm not going in the right direction, I'll go and get a job after three years. I'll be 28 and that won't, that's not that, that, that long out of a career break. And I'll go back and I'll say, look, I've got all this experience. So I was very methodical with my like entrepreneurial decision. Um, and then what I did was I just basically, after about three months, my first business was, um, you know, not the right business really, but you know, your first one really is. I wrote down a list of all of the things that I had noticed in entrepreneurs that I knew that were successful and all of the things that the entrepreneurs that I knew had were doing that were unsuccessful. And I literally wrote this out on my phone. I remember where I was and I wrote it out and I said, I'm going to do everything I can to be like the list, the successful list, not like the unsuccessful list. And I went really um, honest with it. Some of the stuff on the list and the unsuccessful list were things that I really are deeply what I thought were deeply in my nature. There were things I didn't think I could change about myself, but I knew that to have this life of freedom, I was going to have to treat it like anything else, like a project and become really good at it and acquire the skill of being a businesswoman and being an entrepreneur. So it's quite a long answer, but um, it wasn't. Yeah. And then obviously when the three, the three years hit, um, April this year. So it's only three and a half years since then. And, you know, I, I very much knew that I was on the right, the right path of what I wanted to be doing and loads of things still to learn. And that's great because I love business. I love learning new things about it, but I very much knew that this was the right path for me, but I, I really, really knew that to be successful as an entrepreneur, I was going to have to push myself to do loads of things that I really, really didn't want to do and didn't think were possible for me. Um, because that's what you have to do to learn. So I almost applied what I'd learned in the corporate structure to entrepreneurialism. And I think that actually having the entrepreneurial traits, but also having the corporate structure is what's made me more successful than some potentially some other people, not saying I'm a massive success, but I hope to be one day. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the, kind of the answer. It was almost not a choice, but then it kind of became a choice. I made it into a choice and I set myself a deadline. And I think it's actually quite important to do Um, because I don't think everyone's cut out for it. I really, really don't. A lot of the things that I do and a lot of the things I have to manage and the risks I have to take and the difficult things I have to do, a lot of people would not want to do, but they would want all the benefits that come with running your own business. Um, So when I get to work from the spa or work and go traveling, people go, oh, you're so lucky. But then when I have to um, 
you know, let people go from the company or have a really difficult conversation with a client or whatever that might be. They go, oh God, I'd hate that. I couldn't do that. You can't have both. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah, no, I, t- I, t- I totally get that. And, you know, I, I've often wondered, you know, are entrepreneurs born or are they created? And I couldn't really answer that question because I came to entrepreneurship 41, 42, from, and I certainly never planned to be an entrepreneur but I recognize the flexibility it was going to give me and now possibly wish I'd come to it earlier, but Mm. the path we're on is the path that's right for us at the time that we're on it. I'm really interested in that list of those two lists that you spoke about in terms of you recognizing on the list of things you shouldn't be doing Mm. that some of those were innately within you Mm. on that list what were the things that you felt you had to change within you that was not going to be helpful for you? Um, so attention to detail was one of them. Um, learning the basics of, well, I say the basics, but not just the theory, but the practical application of a lot of business fundamentals. So things like how to sell, how to set up marketing systems, how to generate leads. Um, being really niched in what you do at the beginning. because I think the more niche you can be at the beginning, the easier you make your journey. And I think you can broaden as you become more well-known as, and as you become better at business, but you need to be really, really niched early on. Uh, knowing when to stop, knowing when to say, look, this business isn't working. Um, always choosing, I guess, self over ego, but you know, never, you know, never letting pride or what people think come before making the right decision when it comes to the business and um, uh, money management and money mindset. So a lot of the, obviously everything that you do, but learning how to, I guess, how to, how to master money, a lot of the rich dad, poor dad stuff, which I definitely haven't implemented yet, but really understanding this difference between, you know, time for money and assets that create money and all of that kind of stuff. Um, God, the list is honestly so long. Um, I think it's really- those are just some of them. Yeah, and I think it's really good for for listeners to hear that because because very often we think, well, anybody can run a business, anybody can become an entrepreneur without realising for some people it is a natural calling, for others it's something they almost fall into, but for everybody there is going to be some things that come more naturally than others mm. and some things that are going to be more comfortable for some than mm. it is for others so I think it's really useful to hear that yeah I mean I think I always think of everything in you know you've got yin and yang you know you've got yin which is your you know your creativity your your chaos your feminine energy and then you've got your yang which is your structure your order your systems your processes uh, my cousin taught me about this about five years ago and I think entrepreneurialism naturally sits in that yin space of creativity and chaos and flowing and, you know, doing what you want to do and ideas and all of that stuff. And that is so important. You can't have entrepreneurialism without that. But I think there, you know, there's a lot of entrepreneurs that, that just sit there and don't look at the yang side. So the structure, the order, the systems, the processes, and, you know, you've got two ways to go about it. Either if you're yin, find someone to be your yang, or if you're yang, someone to be your yin. And that's obviously a great way. And that's why so many businesses are successful with co-founders. You know, if you look at so many of the big entrepreneurs that we have, you know, they have the yin and the yang in there. 
Or if you're somebody who is like myself, who really loves to be independent, I I don't know why I am this way. I don't know. There's probably many, many reasons that um, I am an independent person. And I know not all of them are positive reasons. But for me, I knew that I wanted to be my own yang to my yin and my yin to my yang. And these are, this is stuff that I ask myself every day. You know, I actually structure my weeks in I now have yin weeks and yang weeks so that I'm literally moving between the two things. And I think their skills, I didn't need help with the yang or the yin, which is what I thought, but I needed help bringing them together because I've always been a very structured, ordered person and I've always been a creative person. But bringing them together under one idea is where the real entrepreneurship, I think, comes in because and I'm sure you'll you'll know this from speaking to so many people that you do, like in your clients, I know you do this with your clients, you know, most entrepreneurs really struggle with having one idea. They want to do loads of things, one niche, one thing. They want to do loads and loads of things. They don't want to be in a box. Um, and I think, to be honest, I think that's one of the biggest challenges is finding a box that you're happy just to be in just for now. You don't have to stay in it forever. Um, otherwise you do complicate your lives and your finances. Absolutely. And I love that idea of a yin and a yang week. Yeah. And then the other, that's definitely something I'm going to be thinking more about because I know there are things that I'm good at and there are things I'm not so good at, but to actually structure it in a way that kind of one week I'm doing one thing one way and then the next week looking at those things I'm not necessarily so comfortable with. That is a really, really helpful idea. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, well, it's about your getting into your flow, isn't it? And and that flow state, which is just the magic, you know, that point where you're really in the zone. And I think it's very hard to get into your flow with your yin if you're blocking it constantly with your structure of your yang. And it's very hard to get into the structure of doing and getting stuff done if you're constantly injecting it with your yin and your ideas. So if you just go, okay, this is the week for that. And this is the week for that. Or you can do, I used to do it by day, yin day, yang day, but now I do it by, uh, by week. Um, yeah, I think it can really, really help. And, um, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously this is a, this is all about your money, but I think, you know, the best way to help your money to flow is to get yourself into a state of flow. Yeah. And, you know, if you're if, if stuff isn't right, you know, normally people that are not making money when you sit down with them, it's probably because their business model is not right or they don't really believe in what they're doing or they're not really passionate about it, or they're procrastinating because they don't really believe in it or whatever the reasons are. Uh, so I just think it's, you know, so much of this is about finding that state of your flow to then let the money flow behind that. Absolutely. Or with it. Yeah, absolutely. One hundred percent, one hundred percent behind you with that. So, with regards to your money mindset, what would you say now to your younger self? So, what would I say? That's a really good question. Um, I think. I mean, I think first of all, I would say to my my younger self that this is normal and that everybody does have this. Even people with millions of pounds worry about money. Worrying about money is just part of our like a human conditioning that, you know, obviously we can shift and move through, but it's definitely the way that our society is set up is just designed to make us essentially worry about money so that we work harder to make more. That's right. How capitalism works, right? Otherwise people wouldn't work if they didn't worry about money. So, you know, I think the first thing I would say is that, you know, it's very normal to to feel it and not to worry, not to worry about worrying and just kind of let yourself worry. 
And then I think I would say to myself, I'd remind myself that, you know, you are always in total control, you know, your, your finances are always, you know, your responsibility. And, um, you know, when I think now, if I think, God, I'm feeling a bit stressed because whatever, I think, well, Hannah, this is actually your own making because you're the one who's choosing to have certain things that potentially you could not spend on. You could have a, I could have a much cheaper life and a much less stressful life, but that's not really how I work. So I think it's about, you know, saying to my younger self that you're, you're, you know, this is your responsibility. You are in total control of this and you can choose how you handle it. And then I think really it would just be some really basic, you know, money education. You know, I, again, I, you know, I did get some of this from my mom and dad, but they didn't really have a massive financial education, but there are some really basic like fundamentals that you can learn young that can really help, you know, saving a small percentage and, and all of that stuff. You know, I didn't grow up in a saving culture. You know, my mum was a big saver and then she met my dad and he was the entrepreneurial one. And then they just sort of spent it all and invested it all. So I grew up in a, you know, spend, spend to grow, spend, you know, not to save. And that does help you grow and that does help you to have experiences. So when I look at some of my friends or peers who have more money in the bank, I think, oh, but have you lived? Do you know what I mean? Like, are you living and I want to live? I don't want to have we're gonna, I'm going to live for years. I'll have money in the bank at some point. Um, but I think definitely like the small little tweaks of saving a little tiny bit, um, which are things that I've set up now. Because what I don't think I realized when I was young is if you save a tiny bit your whole life, it does eventually add up. Like even if it's like a tenner a month for like, you know, when you're really, really young. But it took me to being like 29 to think, actually, I've got this app called Plum. You know it? Yeah. And um, I don't really know much about it, but it, like I set it up and like I got a notification from it the other day and it's got like 111 pounds in it because it's just like rounding up my money without me knowing. Now there's 111 pounds. It's not very much money, but I only set it up like a month ago and I haven't really realized that it's doing it until literally like yesterday. So I thought, God, I saved 111 pounds in a month without noticing because some magic app's doing it. Imagine if I'd been doing that for so much longer, I could have like, a lot more than I have now. So um, I'd probably say, yeah, those probably those three things. Don't worry, it's normal. Um, it's your responsibility and just save whatever you can, like even if it's like a pound. Absolutely. And that's perfect advice. I'm involved in um, a school education program at the moment. Mm. And it's four weeks for um 14 year olds. And it's talking to them about money and investment and the importance of being responsible for money, you know, as soon as you can be. And one of the, the guys that is running two of the sessions, his father gave him a certain amount of money at 14. And it is now, and he's now 30, and he invested it, and it's now grown four and a half thousand times larger than what his dad gave him at the beginning these 14 year olds were salivating mm-hmm. at the thought of what they could be doing with that money what it could buy them by starting to think now about a small investment and the power of compound interest and I think that's what I certainly missed out on I never understood the power of compound interest 
from my parents. You know, my parents, when they bought their house, that was when interest rates were about 15, 16 percent. So, you know, it was a case of get the bills paid, not worry about kind of saving anything. But I think if we can pass on to the younger generation, the power, exactly as you've demonstrated there, the power of setting something up that works for you in the background, that can be creating something for you in your future and taking that level of responsibility, mm. that's empowerment. That is really understanding how you can make money work for you rather than you always feeling you're just working for money. Yeah, and I think it's really good that that's the message that you're giving because I think what I've always struggled with with financial education because of the fact that money was such a um, a source of anxiety for me growing up. I think maybe because I was the oldest of the three of us, um, I've got two younger brothers. I think I was kind of, I guess, more closer to the money, and I was also very interested in it. So I used to ask more questions, and then I ended up picking up more stress or whatever. Um, when I then looked at financial education, I found it so overwhelming, like invest in this and then there's Bitcoin and like this and this. And like, I end up, no, I don't do anything. I don't do anything. Don't do anything. And I've actually had that approach. I don't want to do anything really until, to be honest, until setting up that plum account a month ago, because every time you look, there's like a billion things to look at. And it's just, oh, I'd rather just not do anything. Whereas if someone had just said to me on repeat, oh, just up the savings cap, then that would not be that big of a deal. But I just think it's so easy to overwhelm like young brains or any brain at all, because money is such an emotive topic. Like whether you've got it or you don't have it, it's an emotive topic. So I think people often like don't, when I've spoken to people in the past, uh, and I have a really good financial advisor now who's very like empathetic, but they speak about it because it's their business. They just, you know, rah, 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 like it doesn't, it doesn't like, they don't think about the emotion that comes behind it. So I would be so easily overwhelmed and anxious. I'd just turn off or leave or whatever it was. Whereas something as straightforward as set up a plum account or there's loads of options and just leave it running. And then when you're ready, look at the next step, I think is such a better option. Yeah. And I think that's totally right. I think when it when it comes to when it comes to money, when it comes to finances of any sort, it is st start taking that first step. It does not need to be a big step. Take that first step. And from there, educate yourself, mm -hmm. surround yourself with the right people and look at what can you do next and you know what can you do next. I've set up a Starling bank account for both of my children because I love the pots that Starling have. So you can have a pot for you know fun. You can have a pot that goes towards saving for something. You can have a pot, you know, as a business owner, that goes towards tax, goes towards corporate tax, corporate corporation tax, et cetera, et cetera. But I do think that thing is is. Take that first step. Don't not do anything. Take that first step. And from there, take that next step. So I think that's, that's really sound what you have said there. Mm. So what, I, what I'd like to finish with is what advice do you wish you had been given about money? Or would you like to give to others about money? I think I think understanding the difference between the abundant and the scarcity mindset, I think, would probably be a foundational thing that I think we should all be taught that, you know, our language, our thoughts influence our behavior, which then creates our reality. You know, that's not wishy-washy, you know, spiritual stuff. It's quite, you know, 
back to you all. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you're going to go into the world saying, oh, there's not enough or whatever, you're going to create that uh, reality. So honestly, like besides the savings and all the logistics stuff, I think the f- the thing that I wish I had just learned sooner or that I wish that I'd you know in- invite anybody to spend time looking at is, is your mindset around around your money like you do you know do you, are you coming at it from an abundance state or from a scarce state and until you've got that right and that approach you can apply that to anything you know abundance and scarcity you know, this is the foundation foundational principles of how everything's made up really are you coming from a place of lack or from a place of you know love and lots of and i think that's honestly the the first piece of advice get that right and i think anything else will then start to flow because if you're in an abundant state you're not going to get stressed out when people talk about this or when you set this up or whatever but when you're coming at things from a scarce state and people are telling you to invest in this and do this and do this you'll just say you just freak out and you know that 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 mindset led me getting into loads of debt because i didn't i didn't want to invest i didn't want to spend because I thought I shouldn't spend. So people don't spend, they get into debt instead. So they don't invest in skills or in knowledge. The whole thing is all out of whack. So I think that's it. Discover if you're coming from abundant or a scarce state. And if you're coming from a scarce state, really sit with where that is coming from until you feel comfortable to to readjust that and look at it differently. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think it is that inner work around asking yourself the right questions. I think if you're you're checking your bank account regularly if you're setting yourself big goals if you're not setting yourself big goals that are scaring you why is that what's coming up for you because actually all the clues are there it's very very easy for us to follow the clues if we're open to finding those clues and I think Mm. that is the thing is to sit there and actively go and look for those clues. So thank you very much for that. So where can people find you, Hannah? Hannahpower.com is the best place. So I haven't really spoken about what I really do, but yeah, hannahpower.com is the best place to find me. Yeah. And don't worry, that's everything's going to be in the show notes and in the introduction that obviously I gave at the beginning as well. But the show notes will have everything in there with regards to where to find you, how to connect with you. And thank you very much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank Thank you. you so much. Thank you for listening to the Let's Talk Money and More podcast. If you have enjoyed it, I would love it if you would tell somebody else about it. You don't have to leave a review or write a post on social media tagging me, Leslie Thomas Coaching on Instagram or the Money Mastery Business Coach on Facebook. But if you do, I promise I will give you a shout out in a future episode and I will be hugely grateful. I can also be found at Leslie-Thomas on LinkedIn. If you would like a copy of my free resource, Three Mindset Shifts, double your income, then please go to leslieathomas.com forward slash let's hyphen talk hyphen money. I would love to hear from you. So please do email me at leslie at leslieathomas.com. I will reply to all messages, but please do be patient. Until next time, remember, master your mindset and in turn, you can master the money you make in your business.